welcome back to Voices of Western, the Humans of Western podcast. If you're new, welcome. This is a podcast where we dive deeper into the personal lives of students, staff, and faculty at Western University. So before we begin, we wanted to thank you for taking time out of your day to listen to our episode. So my name is Melon, and today I'm joined by my co-host, Rhea. Thanks, Melon. So today we're joined by Dr. Sarah McLean. By day, she's deeply involved in initiatives around Western University such as being one of four faculty members in the Interdisciplinary Medical Science, or IMS, module, and being an associate professor in the Department of Anatomy and Cell Biology. She is also the inaugural director of the Schulich Education Enhancement Division, or SEED, and passionate about community-engaged learning. By night, she is deeply invested in community-based initiatives, such as the, the Medical Sciences Community Outreach Team, or MASCOT, the CEL hub at 450 Talboat, and a variety of hobbies that we'll get to learn more about in just a bit. So just to start off, how are you doing today, Dr. M? I'm doing pretty good. Yeah, um, it's a snow day, so that means my kids are home and I'm working from home. Uh, but it also means that I can hang out with my furry friends too. I love animals, so I've got two dogs and Hopefully you won't hear them in the background of the podcast, but it might come up. So a pretty good day all in all. How about you guys? How are you doing? I'm doing all right. Just, you know, kind of snowed in, but that's okay. I'm home for reading week. So I guess it's more family time in a way. My parents are home too from work. So it's it's been a day. <laughs> yeah, it's been a day, but hopefully a good one. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I agree. Um, the snow made me sleep in today morning. So I'm and it, it was funny to see the students because we're I'm also back home for reading week. So it was funny to see all these children trekking through the snow because all, here in um, Brampton, only the buses are cancelled. So yeah, yeah. Um, but I think we can um, just start off with the episode with your academic journey. So could you tell us um, how your academic journey started, how you pursued your research, and I guess, um, how are you here today? Yeah, absolutely. So um, like many uh, students that might be listening to this podcast that are in like med sci or in science, um, when I was in high school, I was really good at math and science. Um, I was good at art too, to be honest. Um, but my parents were like, oh, I'll keep art as a hobby. <laughs> and then they're like, you like helping people. You should be a doctor. And I was like, oh, okay. And we didn't have anybody else in my family that had gone into medicine or, or anything like that in, in the health professions. Um, and I'm also like a first generation university student. My parents didn't go to university. So I was like, yeah, okay. Um, so I ended up doing my undergrad at the University of Waterloo. And at that time they had a program literally called pre-health pre-optometry. So for people that wanted to go into that, that's what they called it. They later changed the names. They're like, that sounds like it's not actually like, it's, it's like a preface to a degree, right? Like a pre thing. So they changed it when I, I think when I was in my third or fourth year. Um, so like some students, like the transition was hard um, to go from uh, high school to university. Um, you know, I was living on my own the first time, but I, I made it work and I really enjoyed it. And I really liked kind of like the academic environment at Waterloo. Um, it was very, very academic, and, and I really liked that. Um, but then during the summer of my first year, um, my mom had been having all of these weird symptoms, like her, her hands were swelling, she was tired, her, her skin was getting these weird kind of patches on them. Um, and she went to her physician, and they initially thought that she might have lupus or, or an autoimmune condition, but then um, 
they determined she had this different type of autoimmune condition called scleroderma. It's also called systemic sclerosis. And um, we didn't really know anything about it. And really in my family, even though I was just in first year, I was kind of like the most science literate person. So I tried to, you know, investigate what I could about it and look it up. Um, but basically during the course of my undergrad, she got a lot worse. She had the more severe form. And after the summer of my third year, she passed away. And then that really changed so much of uh, my career aspirations in a lot of ways. Um, and I think it also changed how I think about how we train our students. Um, so I'll talk a little bit about this later, but I'm really interested in perspective taking and empathy. And I think it's really important, uh, especially for our science students uh, to, to have that. And then, um, so I never ended up writing the MCAT or anything like that. Um, I had some experiences with, the, with um, medicine that I didn't love uh, when I was accompanying my mom. So um, I remember the summer after she, she passed, I was back on campus and there was this girl, maybe some of you have somebody like this in your life too. She was kind of a friend of me. She, she saw me as like competition and I was like, girl, I'm not here for this. <laughs> she's like, so she's like, Sarah, did you write the MCAT this summer? And I was like, no, I didn't, I didn't write the MCAT. Um, and just kind of left it at that. And then she's like, oh, so you're giving up on your dreams of going to med school. And that really stuck in her <laughs> with me. And I just kind of, I, I told her what was going on in a really kind of terse way. And she kind of backed off. And I was like, you know, don't make assumptions about what people, what people are going through. So um, yeah, so then in fourth year, um, I learned about graduate school and I was like, okay, you know, maybe this makes sense for me. I want to help people, but I really didn't want the responsibility of like people's life in my hands that, that made me really uncomfortable. So I was like, okay. So I looked into different graduate programs and I found somebody at Western who actually studied what my mom had. And I was like, oh my gosh, this is like a sign. I'm going to, I'm going to go to Western. I'm going to do all this. Um, so yeah, I finished my fourth year, uh, that was pretty tough, but I finished my fourth year, came to Western and started working with this person. Uh, but it was not a great lab environment at all. It was really, really challenging. And, you know, initially I kind of had some blinders on cause I so much wanted to do this work. I thought I was, you know, giving back to my mom, I guess, in a way. And I ended up not, I ended up quitting that lab, um, which again was pretty tough after about five months. Uh, but then I was really fortunate to work with my uh, PhD supervisor, Dr. John DeGuglielmo. So I, I learned about him through Dr. Woods. Some of you on this podcast who are listening might also know Dr. Woods. So I've known her for a really long time. And she said, you know, you should really think about talking to Dr. DeGuglielmo. He's awesome. And um, it made sense because the pathways that Dr. DeGuglielmo studies were also implicated in my mom's condition, but um, just in a different context. So I still study those pathways, but then I looked at them uh, more in like a cancer context. And yeah, during that time, um, during my PhD, um, I did lots of um, TA ships. I was a teaching assistant and I just really loved that. Um, also, I didn't say this before, but during my undergrad at Waterloo, I was an undergrad TA. Um, so I was in like third year and teaching like first year um, students in the labs, which was really cool. It was a really great opportunity for me. Um, and then the way that I've got more into teaching is um, I was talking with Dr. Woods and um, I had been a teaching assistant for the really big like Phys 2130. 
um, course. And I'd been a TA for that for a while. And she was like, oh, Sarah, I don't know what I'm going to do. Like this person is going on sabbatical. We don't have somebody to do the first few lectures. And I was like, I can do it. I was like, throw me in coach. And she's like, yeah, you know what? I think you could do it. And uh, I had this huge class of like 600 students and gave the first few lectures and I just loved it. And after that, um, yeah, I just kind of kept going, found this position at an IMS, um, applied for it, beat out a bunch of people to get it. And here I am 10 years later. <laughs> Makes it sound like a really, it's, it was not a straightforward story, I think is what I'm trying to get across, that there's a lot of twists and turns along the way. No, and I think, thank you for that. I, I didn't um, expect, um, I think a lot of people um, coming into university, they was like, oh, there's this like one direct path and you mm -hmm. have to take that one direct path. Otherwise, if you like falter, your whole um, journey is like messed up. But yeah. I guess like, the, thank you so much for sharing that story. And even inspires me um, to like, also like explore, I guess, like other um, realms in my undergraduate degree. And um, I'm so sorry about your mom. And I really, and I, I, I really um, thank you for like taking that, inspiring you into mm -hmm. um, teaching students as well, and taking that empathetic, that empathetic route, which I believe you will get further on to the episode. But yeah, yeah. no, I just thank you for that. Yeah, you're welcome. I think being authentic is important, and I think we hear a lot about the success part of stuff, but not always the struggle. And there was definitely definitely some struggle for me, like any human, right? Like that's part of it. So, yeah. Yeah. And I also love how you were able to take your personal experiences and really kind of take it to shape, I guess, your teaching and learning philosophy in a way. Um, I, I kind of see that in like, even like the people who you chose as like your mentors, kind of mm -hmm. figuring out who actually aligned with like your vision, I guess. Um, yeah. And I think that's something that it takes a lot of courage to do, being willing to be like, okay, I've tried out this experience, but the person I'm working with, we don't really align too yeah. well. So it's okay to try a different path. Absolutely. So yeah, thank you for sharing that. I think that's a really, really powerful stuff. Um, and I just guess like piggy piggybacking off of that um, in a way. I think I've seen a lot of that in the way that you teach as well. <laughs> and so just going off along that, yeah. what actually inspired you to become a professor? Like you touched on that a bit, but right. what about teaching really pushed you forward? Yeah, I think that's a really good question. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think I like to see the impact um, and I think there's a lot of ways that you can, you can impact somebody and support somebody and help somebody. And a lot of times when, you know, especially if we're in science and we think of helping, we think of, again, a lot of times healthcare professions, but there's lots of ways to do that. Right. And then I think back, like I had a teacher when I was in grade two and I'll always remember her, Mrs. Ruby, and she was awesome. And she really inspired me, you know, when she saw something in me and kind of, and pushed me academically. Um, I actually skipped a grade when I was a kid. This was, again, this doesn't happen now. It's, I'm showing my age, but like she was that person um, that saw something. And I think part of that and just seeing students for who they are and where they're at and building those relationships, I think is really important to me. Like I learned so much from my students as much as I hope they learn from me. And I'm, I'm saying that honestly, I know that sounds so cheesy, but 
you know, when we have discussions in class and students bring in their own points of view and, and experiences or when people talk to me during office hours. So I think being able to, you know, help students maybe question some of their preconceived ideas about things um, to really help them grow um, and yeah, help them find out what their path might be. I think those are probably some of the main reasons that I like teaching so much. That's so powerful, honestly, because even <laughs> when I'm thinking about it, and like the reason why I probably chose whatever program I'm in at university is because of the teachers that I had back in like elementary school. Like I still remember my fifth grade teacher and him really like pushing me forward. Oh my God, I just remember him like reading over one of the essays that I wrote and him being like, are you sure this is the word that you want to go with? And like he made me go and like, search up like five words in the dictionary and like we had to like go through like the paper version of it anyways back to this um it's just like the tiny moments like that that actually push yeah. you forward and you yeah. don't realize it until you look back and be yeah. like oh they did that yeah so I love that you had that for yourself as well yeah. I think most of us could probably think about that right yeah. and if I could be that person in somebody's life, that's pretty awesome. Thinking about like the number of students that I've had come through my classroom in different ways. I mean, I got the best gig in the world. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I agree. Actually, yeah, look, thinking back, I'm like, I think it for me is my grade six teacher. And hmm. similar to um, you, Dr. M, I think she saw something in me that yeah. made me push forward. Um, because I, I before in like elementary, I used to be the kid that didn't really care much about my um, education, but I was in grade six. She saw something in me and was like, you know what, maybe you should delve into this more. I think it was about a book. And mm -hmm. I just did a whole presentation. And then she was like, yeah, you know what? Like, I think it was just that presentation that made me like, want to take more care into like my education. So that yeah. was, yeah, no, I, I, I really uh, respect that. And like, I think being that for someone, I think it's just, it's so cool. Like, and it's like yeah. it has a special place in their heart. And yeah. I think that's amazing. And yeah. piggybacking also from um, being, having a special place in students' heart. Um, <laughs> I know you do a lot of work in um, technology integrated learning and that flipped classroom learning concept. Could yeah. you talk a bit more about that and what that really means to you? What, what's your vision with that? Yeah, um, so I've been like a practitioner of doing that approach to learning since I started at, at Western um, in my current role. Um, and basically the idea with it, so a flipped classroom um, is a form of blended learning. So blended meaning there's some online and there's some in person. Um, and a flipped classroom in particular, like the, the knowledge um, capture part of that. So like uh, is done online on students' own time. So instead of somebody attending a lecture, um, you know, and, and listening to a professor for 50 minutes, um, in a flipped classroom, students might, you know, watch a series of videos from that professor. They might do a reading. They might do a module um, to prepare them to come to work to class. So then the idea is that in class. I'm not the one talking really. I'm, I'm facilitating and moderating, but it allows us to work through um, different problems uh, in relation to the content. It allows students to think more deeply about it. So we can have discussions about it. We can do case studies. We can have fun and do like cahoots and stuff about it. We can, you know, and I think 
when I think about my time with my students, I want to make that time as enriching for everybody as possible. And especially for my students, which are primarily the third and fourth year, um, talking at them is not my best way to do that. So that's why I do it that way. And, you know, there's lots of evidence. I've, I've published some work too, looking at the impact of, you know, using this type of teaching approach. It supports students' deep learning. It can help them develop some of their self-efficacy and confidence. Um, I've found some students even this year, you know, who had come up to me and be like, you know, I haven't really talked, spoken up in class before. I'm a little bit shy, but I'm going to try this class. You know, I feel good. And I've had some students just flourish and grow confidently that way. Because it is easier, you know, if you're in small groups, talking to the person beside you, being able to speak up versus, you know, asking a question in a lecture hall with a you know, 150 other students there. That's pretty intimidating. I never did that. Like as outgoing as I seem now, I was not that student. I sat in the front. I was a keener. Don't get me wrong. I was there, but I would not like ask a question. So I think some of that probably inspired why I do it this way. And I just, I think the conversations and the learning that we have this way can be really rich. So I'm, I'm very interested in supporting other faculty that might like to explore different ways that learning can occur um, in post-secondary. So that's some of my role with, with SEED as well as supporting that type of work. That's very interesting. And actually like as a second year right now, I, have, I haven't had a much experience with learning or like the flipped classroom concept, like learning with just a small group of students and having that case study approach. I think mm -hmm. Ria, you might have a different perspective on this, but yeah, no, I, I, I agree with also the sense like with the big classrooms, it's really mm -hmm. hard to um, get to know your prof and I guess be involved with your, um, I guess, uh, schoolwork or like coursework, unless mm -hmm. you make that initiative which you're on your own with like forming study groups and going to the library and even that that has its own struggles like not everyone has the same time as you or same schedule as you and exactly. yeah and then sometimes even our professors say um ask me during office hours instead of asking asking during the lectures because there's just not enough time to answer so many questions so i i really do think that with classroom learning concept is um like for me it entice it entices me into um coming to such classroom and i mean i've taught large classrooms before too and it is harder to do a flip i think in in a large class it's not impossible uh you know there's there's definitely some cool stuff going on in blended learning in Schulich right now and the in some of the earlier years too um but yeah it's just something like it's almost well it's how I do all of my classes now just because I think I think it works and especially you know students know now after COVID that there are ways that you can learn online there are better ways there are ways that are more uh problematic but you can do it so why not maximize the time that we have face to face to do something cool and fun and you know, where you can be part of the conversation. Yeah, and I guess, Lillian, you also talked about this a bit, the fact that like my experience with this is probably different as like a fourth year student. And yeah, I, just to go off of that, I think the first day that I walked into class, first of all, I was like, what is this classroom? <laughs> Did this exist? <laughs> I think, so I'm talking about the um, active learning space I think it's called yes. Walls, right? Yeah, at UCC. Walls. Yep. yep. Like this secret cave in the basement of UCC. And it's wonderful. It's like six tables and they're like pods. And it's like a circle basically around the classroom. 
And at first I was like, oh my God, this is so intimidating. I actually have to talk to people now because <laughs> I was so used to that drill, right? Like come into class, take notes, leave, repeat, basically. Um, yeah. And then at first it did take a bit to get used to because I was like, okay, don't get distracted. Don't end up talking to people too much, but also talk to them and listen to them. <laughs> so there's that balance. You have to hit that sweet spot. But then after that, especially like I want to say by December I just looked back at it and I was like this is the only class in which I think like my prof actually kind of knows who I am and I think I kind of know who my prof is mm -hmm. instead of being like just a lecturer and I think I really do value that a lot especially now like it takes a bit to get used to yeah. and then it's like it's not just about the learning experience it's also the fact that you finally get to know about people because that's what learning should be about as well, right? It's not just about the content. It's about knowing who's teaching that content too. So yeah. I, I love that. That's like my favorite thing about it, I think. That's awesome. And thanks for sharing that. I know, and I know for the first few days, it's awkward. Like I know people are like, you want me to talk to them and then you want to hear what <laughs> I have to say? I'm like, yeah, I do. You guys have great ideas. And it's, Again, I didn't have a course like that as a student, so I'm always very curious of what that is, but I kind of try and set up the class such that I'm like, okay, here's here's the expectations. You you know, don't worry about saying something stupid because I've said plenty of stupid things. There's, you know, that doesn't really exist um, in terms of when we're thinking and challenging ideas. But yeah, I can imagine from the student perspective that you're like, what the heck is this? <laughs> I'm into an alternate universe sort of thing, yeah. Yeah, but I do definitely love it. That like that's hundred percent. And then I guess it's also in a way like something that I've also taken away from IMS is the fact that learning takes place in the classroom, which is normal. But then it's like whatever you like learn, you take it out of the classroom with you as well. And I've really I really think that hit me like this year. Like obviously I've been doing that before the fact that learning takes place inside and outside of the classroom but it's really impacted me this year and I think that something that really showcases that is the medical science community outreach it's called mascot <laughs> um it takes a bit to get used to saying that but yeah I love the name. um but yeah do you want to tell us a bit more about that maybe like what you envision it to be in the future what it's yeah. like things like that yeah, so really briefly, so uh, Mascot, um, the idea for it was actually brought up by uh, Dr. Jeff Frisby, who's a chair of medical biophysics, uh, Jennifer Devlin, who's uh, the manager in anatomy and cell biology, um, and had talked with our associate dean, um, Dr. Brad Urquhart, and, you know, they're like, we want to do this, like, volunteer thing where we can have students, like, sign up, there's such a need in the community, we know students want to do this, like, how can we make this work? And I can't remember initially how I was brought into it, um, but I heard about it. I was like, oh, I want to do this 100%. I was like, let me help. Let me do, let me, you know, do what I can to make this work. Um, so yeah, so now I'm basically the faculty lead for this. And um, what it is, is a way for students to get co-curricular, so not course-based, um, experiential learning. Um, we uh, basically support some of London's most marginalized uh, through the different community partners that we connect with. So for example, some of them are uh, one that I'm particularly fond of is Project Hope London, which is a grassroots 
um, organization that supports people experiencing homelessness. I volunteer with them on my own time on the side. Um, there's also um, Boys and Girls Club, um, 519 Pursuit, which also supports people um, experiencing homelessness. Um, what are some of the other ones? March of Dimes. So basically what it is, is um, this past summer, I worked with a group of students um, and our experiential learning coordinator at the time, Jed Sardito, uh, as well as our community partners. And we created some online modules for students to complete before engaging in these volunteer opportunities. And really because when working with people um, that might be experiencing something different than you, I wanted us to like kind of students to take a pause and be like, okay, what am I hoping to get out of this? What can I contribute? What can I learn? Um, Cause I really didn't want it to come across that like, oh, we're at Western, we have all the answers. We're going to fix all your problems. Well, no, these organizations have been working frontline with people for years. They know what that is. The idea with Mascot is that we're helping them build capacity. We're helping bring in interested and passionate students and volunteers so that they can do even more than then they were able to before. And then at the same time for our students, giving our students hands-on opportunities to give back, to develop leadership skills, to develop empathy, you know, to act as advocates, all of these awesome things. So yeah, we created these modules that students um, have to go through. Our community partners helped inform what would be on there. And then the community partners vetted them afterwards. And we're just like, yay, nay, on different things. It was mostly yay. They liked what we created. And then, yeah, so now um, basically we're very much in the building phase in terms of we are actively, constantly, every week getting more community partners on board. So um we had a conversation with um, Youth Opportunities Unlimited. They're on board with us, um, as well as Big Brothers, Big Sisters, which I'm really excited about. They're going to have opportunities soon. I was a big sister for uh, like five or six years, so I'm really excited about that one. And then I love animals too. So we have um, the, the adoption agency through which I got one of my dogs, which is called Bark at the Moon is the agency. They're going to be one of our community partners too. So if there's any students listening that love their furry friends, there's ways that you can give back that way too. Um, and yeah, we're just looking to, to make it even bigger and better and getting more um, access to students. And then because this is the first um, kind of go through of launching it, also, we're doing some uh, like a quality improvement, quality assurance kind of process right now to see like for students that are doing these opportunities, was there any barriers? What was it like? Is there anything you want us to know? What could we do to make it better? And we'll probably be implementing those changes this summer is, is likely how that'll work. Yeah. Yeah, I think that last part that you mentioned, the fact that like you're open to feedback and implementing like other groups is yeah. also something that really stood out to me about mm -hmm. the program itself. So it's, it's, it's like if there's this really cool volunteer organization that you've been working with, you're able to kind of extend that experience, um, like having the privilege of that experience to other students too. And I like yeah. how there's like a common platform. So you don't have to like go searching on your own. It's more of like, okay, they're giving me the training. Um, I get to sign up. And it's like, I think, I think it's a lot more organized and streamlined that way. So I love the program. I, I love the idea. So yeah, that's, I'm a great fan. that's the idea. And like I said, there's, I, I know a lot of organizations. I certainly don't know all of them. And I know a lot of our students already do great work in the community. The other cool thing is that with mascot, we will be um, making it so that it will show up on your co-curricular record. 
which is cool. So um, that way, you know, you could get, I don't like to say credit, but you can get recognition for, for that, like you would for other co-curricular activities that you might do. Um, so, so recognizing those students that are really, you know, contributing to their community. And we have lots of different opportunities. Some of them might be like a one-off, like if you want to help a particular organization with a, you know, event that they're putting on. So for example, Big Brothers, Big Sisters, um, every summer, we have a pretty big music fest um, in London um, and they uh, run like a parking service for it and they take um, the proceeds from that and they need volunteers to help coordinate that. So like, that'd be like a relatively small commitment. Some of our other community partners want longer term commitments in terms of, you know, different programs that they might have going on. So it's really that, you know, choose your own adventure. There's lots of different things and we're look, blah, looking to expand all the time. So, yeah. No, I think that sounds amazing. It's just, I think it's, it's a great way for students to actually get out of the classroom too. And like use their, that problem solving skills, having that training, applying it, because there's not many, like at, maybe just talking from a second year perspective, but like there's not many courses that I have been able to apply whatever I'm learning into the real world. So mm -hmm. I guess like having that opportunity for students, I think is a great way for us to even expand our knowledge and decide of what we want to do um, yeah. in the future. And, and the fact that it's on our core curriculum record, it would be a great way to like talk about it and um, when in any job you're going to it's a great look on the resume so I think that's a, a very amazing thanks yeah we're we're really excited like I said you know uh Dr. Uh, Frisbee and um Jen that I work with regularly on these different initiatives we have um uh one of our um associate directors Janelle Pritchard as well as helping and stepped up and helped um you know connect with community partners and it's really just about relationships right it's about building relationships between Western and the community is the other part of it. And I know that there are so many amazing students at Shulik that um, give back to the community. And I think London needs to know that too, right? I, I, don't, I don't think that sometimes, you know, the image of Western students being like, oh, you know, they're just here for the school and then they leave. I was like, no, you were so wrong. Are you kidding? I, where I live now, I'm pretty close to the university and I've had students, come by a few different times for different fundraising initiatives that they're doing and knock on my on my door at home and I was like this is amazing they're like oh we're doing a canned food drive I'm part of you know western's lacrosse team would you have a few cans I was like yeah here like have at it like I think that's awesome and I think we need to promote those kind of awesome initiatives that our students are doing too because there's so much good right we can we can work together even more than, than what we are. And I think mascot is one of a few different ways that we can do that, but I'm really pleased with how the program's been going and growing. No, I, I, it sounds amazing. And yeah, no, just giving back to the community. I think that in itself is um, the great message. And I think um, like just going off the idea of out of the community and maybe like out of the classroom. I just wanted to know about you, Dr. M, do you have maybe like any hobbies outside of teaching? And like, is there like things you do that push you outside your comfort zone? Yeah, I think getting pushed outside your comfort zone is really important. And I think I would encourage anybody who's listening to this to always try and find something where you're learning something new and you might be a beginner and not very good at it when you're starting. That's something that I've tried. So um, Jen Devlin that I mentioned before is um, one of my 
somebody I really look up to. And she's just an awesome person who gives back so much to the community and volunteering. And this past year, um, she participated in Youth Opportunities Unlimited uh, fight to end homelessness. So it's, it's literally a fight. She trained for boxing for a number of months, raised all kinds of money for Youth Opportunities Unlimited, and then literally went in the ring in front of hundreds of people and fought. And I was like, that is amazing. I'm like, oh my gosh, I need to do this. Um, so she really inspired me to, to do boxing. So I've started doing boxing and I love it. And again, I'm very new. Um, I started in like November and there's a great training facility downtown uh, that I work with right now called Get Enhanced. And um, it's fun, but it definitely pushes you out of your comfort zone. Like I got punched in the face the other day. <laughs> we were sparring. It wasn't hard, but it's just like, huh, okay. And, and, you know, there's a lot of things that I'm good at in my life. I'm getting better at learning how to take and throw a punch. Um, but it gives me a great outlet and it lets me think about, like, I can't think about work or anything else when I'm, when I'm boxing because otherwise I'll get punched in the face. So it's a great way to channel some of that. And, you know, I thought that maybe even afterwards, so my goal is to do the fight to end homelessness. I have to sign up to do that. Um, even afterwards, I was like, maybe I'll, maybe I'll like step in the ring. Maybe I'll do that. Um, and I asked the trainers, I'm like, do people my age do that? I'm 38. And they're like, yes, but wait till you're 40. Because if you're 38 and you're going now, you're going to be fighting people potentially in their twenties. I was like, well, they have more energy than me. I do not want to do that. I will, I will continue training for a few years and then decide if I, if I actually want to go forward, but it's been so much fun. Like it's so much fun. And the other people that are there are really supportive. Um, so yeah, I'm going to go tonight. I've got two little, I've got two daughters. I'm a single mom and they're six and eight. And, um, they like to come and watch me do boxing, which I think is awesome. So I'm like, mom, look at you punch. I'm going to punch like that. And I was like, just as long as it's not your sister, <laughs> yeah, you, can, you can punch like that. So I, I, that's something that is new. I've always been kind of involved in different types of fitness things, but this is definitely new for me. And I, yeah, I'm loving it. No, I love that. Um, actually, when I was younger, I used to do Taekwondo. Oh, okay. Nice. So I No, I completely understand the idea that you cannot focus on anything else. Otherwise, you're going to get punched. I remember when it was like every weekend for an hour, I would mm. go and um, it, you would do sparring in forms. And especially during sparring, it's yeah. like you have to have your mind focused. Otherwise, like you never know when a kick is coming, when a, when a like, um, I don't know, like a shoulder arm like punches gonna come like it, it you have to be focused. and I think it was a great way too to just like get your minds off of things for yeah. example like whenever I was just stressed like it was exam season I would just uh, go and then it, it's just a great way to just relieve all the stress and when you come back I feel like you just have like a new perspective on things so yeah, yeah. no I really you know I I, I I totally relate on the idea of like punching and it's really really fun it's a, it's a great yeah. way to keep active it is and it and it's kind of empowering too I'm like I can actually throw a really good hook now. Like, that's pretty cool. <laughs> like, you know, or like, and it, it's made me think about my teaching a little bit too. Not that everything has to really back to my teaching, but my coach is really good. And it's made me think about like feedback. So like, you know, if I'm doing something, you know, he'll come by and he'll check in and he's like, Sarah, you're doing well at this punch. And he's like, but when you're throwing your right, you're dropping your left hand. He's like, don't do that. You're opening yourself up to get punched. And I was like, okay. I like very practical advice. Like here's, 
here's what you're doing. Here's how you should be doing it. And here's how to make it better. And if it's not better, here might be a consequence, which could be that you get punched. So like, I try and I think about some of that, you know, when I'm giving feedback to students too, like what's actionable from this, you know, like I was sparring last night and the person I was sparring is much, much better than me. Like the other thing is, I think you only get better by working with people who are better than you. Um, you know, there is, there is time to, you know, mentor other people, but this person I was with last night, she's definitely way better than me. And, you know, when we were sparring, I was kind of like, I know I have a lot of gains to make that there's a lot of things I could be doing better, but what would be like the one thing that I could do better right now that would make the biggest impact. And so she gave me some feedback on that. I was like, Hey, that's helpful. Right. Because I know I'm not going to be you know, Manny Pacquiao <laughs> in a week, like it's just not going to happen. I just, I need to practice and I'll probably never get there, but that's okay. It's the process, right? It's the path, not the destination necessarily. So, yeah. That's so cool for both of you. Never thought I'd hear like the words punching and the, getting punched in the face and like having fun in the same <laughs> sentence, but there yeah. you go. <laughs> it is annoying. Like the first time like, it's just like, and it's not hard, right? They're not punching hard. It's just sparring, but I'm like, oh, like it makes you like crap, <laughs> but you have to keep your cool. Right. Because then if you get angry, then you start making mistakes. Right. As I'm sure, you know, Melon, like if you start reacting too much, then yeah. So it's interesting. It's a lot more boxing has a lot more like thinking involved than I ever thought beforehand. Like, I was just like, oh, you're just punching, like, well, whatever. No, it's, you really have to think and you have to predict, but. And I think it also teaches you a lot of discipline too. Like, you have to keep your cool. Otherwise, like, it's, it's not going to end well. And no. like, you have, you have to like, I guess, like rethink like, oh, if he made um like back a kick, what is he going to do next? Yes, and, yeah. exactly. And, yeah, no, I think, yeah, it, it really, yeah, it teaches you how to think ahead, like not to focus on what's happening now. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like it's like that for a lot of sports in general. Mm -hmm. Like no one really realizes it, but it teaches you so much that you end up like bringing with you into other experiences. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. yeah. You never know. Maybe I'll take up boxing or some type of martial arts this summer. Y'all are inspiring me. So you're, wel write that <laughs> yeah, you're welcome to come and try it out. I think it's fun. I think anybody should try it. I think it's so empowering. Yeah. I'm looking forward to that. Are my yeah. parents? Maybe not, but I'll try. <laughs> you, don't have to, you don't have to fight about it. Mackie, shh. And then, yeah. Head. So what we'll do now, I guess, is go into, I guess we've already been having fun, but I guess this is a more silly part of the episode. Right. So right. we're calling this segment chill and grill with the Dr. M because we're going to be chilling through it, but we're also going to be grilling you on a few questions here and there. Okay. So whenever you're ready, we'll yep. get started. Yep. I'm good. Yeah. Take the dogs downstairs, Kavit. Okay, <laughs> I have dogs. Yeah. yeah. Take them with you. Thank you. Just that guy. <laughs> Maybe we'll like bring them in for like the little, like the last part of the episode too. Sure. Be wonderful. Yeah. Sure, yeah and then all right so for this segment yeah so the first one is what was the last thing that you googled the last thing that I googled oh um huh uh probably about car insurance <laughs> <I'm more laughs> as boring as that is 
um because my car got sideswiped and I was just parked on the side street and it's still in the shop and it's really annoying so I wanted to see like um how long I can have my rental so I think that's probably the last thing I googled which is totally boring but yes I think that's probably it (laughs) honestly I I I totally get it Mm -hmm. um and then now the next question what do you think is the best and worst piece of advice or saying one of your students has given to you Ooh, that is given to me. Oh, okay. Um, let's see. That one's hard. Um, I've had a student. So the worst. (laughs) (laughs) I'll start. I had a student. Um, that came to me and um was trying to negotiate for grains that they didn't really earn and um I knew the student well so I was kind of surprised that they were doing this because I I'm very big on academic integrity we could have a whole other podcast about that but I was like so and so are you are you trying to grade grumpy right now is this what's going on and they're like it's the game Dr. M you got to make every point count or something like that and I was like oh no I'm not here for that so I think like that saying is like everything you know every little bit and I was like so you're trying to yeah um so that was probably the worst saying that I had a student say to me um the best um I've got some students um who sent me messages I guess about um how they've how they've taken some of the stuff about empathy that we're doing in class and how that's changed their perspective so I don't know if I could say a particular saying but I think that that always gets to me when they're like oh you know now I've seen somebody experiencing homelessness and you know I chat with them and and, you know I'm not I'm, I'm trying to break down those barriers or I'll talk to my family about some of the things that I've learned this way so probably something along those lines would probably be the best um when I see that um yeah yeah I think so I love hearing that kind of get like the insider scoop on what it's like like to be <laughs> on the other end of this because I feel like I'm always on the other side being like Dr. M can I have this or Dr. M this is what I think yeah. it's nice to see the other <laughs> side of this yeah yeah absolutely. I love that and then also for the car insurance thing you're mm-hmm. really adulting oh my god <laughs> like if that's <laughs> I am a full, I am a full grown adult. That is for sure. I've got cows to feed and bills to pay. And there's, there's no way around it. That's for sure. That's so funny. Yeah. Oh my God. But yeah. Okay. So for the next one. Okay. So we're diving into a bit more of like the pop culture side of stuff here. Yeah. So you guys, you kind of got two options here. So we're going a bit easier on you. So what's the last thing that you watched on TV? or is there a show that you really think should be brought back that like isn't airing anymore um okay I'll tell so the last thing that I watched on tv and I I kind of binged it not really I'm not a huge tv person but the physical 100 I'm kind of obsessed on Netflix um so it is it's not like a game show but it's like a competitive reality show um it's based in Korea and they take 100 of like the quote unquote best bodies but it's not it's not like a visual aesthetic thing it's like different competitions so they have to go like head to head in all these different competitions and then who is like the best overall at the end so it goes from 100 
people to one and it was very entertaining to watch it was really good so yeah I watched all that um that was the last thing mm -hmm. okay no I I've been hearing a lot about that show my friends have been actually talking really? about that so mm -hmm. might get on to that um, yeah and then another pop culture question what yeah. is the most recent song you listen to uh, um so <laughs> my kids really like song flowers by miley cyrus right now <laughs> so they were singing that and then we had to talk about feminism and what that means <laughs> because that's what you get when your mom's a prof um but then what i put on is um i have a vinyl collection so i have a lot of old records and i was listening to a lot of dolly parton last night um so yeah i've Dolly Parton was probably the last one that I, I put on myself that I didn't have to listen to from my children. <laughs> That's so awesome. And I also love that, like, okay, this is not related to this, but like in class, before class, for anyone who's thinking of joining IMS, this might be like the, the deciding factor for you, but like you're allowed to send in like song recommendations yep. to play at the start of class, which I love. It's, okay, it's good. the thing ever, like walking yeah. in. It's been fun. I and I learn new music, right? So I yeah. it's been win for me. I love it. But yeah, okay. Okay, okay. So now we actually get to talk a bit more about your doggos. So <laughs> <laughs> So if you were to be any dog breed, mm. <laughs> which would you be? Maybe. Which would I be? <laughs> uh, let's see. Okay. I'm not, I'm, so I have a Jack Russell and like some sort of, Miso is like a, a, a mix. He's like a poodle something cross. Jack Russell's have way too much energy. I am not that one, um, but I'm pretty loyal. Um, I'm pretty happy most of the time. I like to, maybe like a golden retriever. I love golden retrievers. Oh, They're oh my God, like, I, Maybe that's what I want to be. I feel like my partner would probably be able to answer this. He'd be like, no, you're totally this type of dog. But yeah, probably maybe a golden retriever is I think what I'd like to be. Yeah. They're just always so happy. They're pretty chill. So yeah. No, I see I, that. Yeah. Yeah, I hundred percent agree. I was thinking about this question. I'm like, I would be a golden retriever too, or a German shepherd. <laughs> Beyond yeah. the cases with the policeman. Yeah. Yeah. Really yeah. Yeah, the German Shepherds are really smart. I had a German Shepherd, like, senior dog for a while. Yeah. That's hmm. really cool. Yeah. Okay, and what is the last book you read, or what are you currently reading? Yeah, I am currently reading a book by Malcolm Gladwell. It's um, uh, Outliers. So it's nonfiction, and I really like his stuff because he kind of pokes at, you know, commonly held uh, misconceptions that people have just generally right so for example in this book in particular he's looking at and challenging the idea of that there are like these super brilliant people that just made it on their own and are successful because of their own grit like so it goes through cases like Bill Gates um, he talks about different people and like lawyers and the stock market and all these people that are at the top of their game and it's like yes they're talented but they had a lot of opportunities along the way you know, they, they had mm -hmm. opportunities and their timing was good and all of this stuff. And one of the things that he shows at the beginning, which I think is so cool, is that if you look at um, NHL players or um, like top players who have made it um, in hockey, the vast majority of them are born in the first four months of the year. 
January to April. And, yeah. And part of it is because when it comes to like the ages, and if you think about kids when they're playing hockey, when you're developing, well, you know, a year in the life of a child is a huge amount of time. So like the difference between a kid that might be born in January versus somebody born in like September, November, in terms of like their physical height, their athletic ability, you know, their ability to reason and collaborate with others, like there's a big difference. So it's not just that innate talent, but like some of the bigger kids that might be born earlier in the year or might be a little bit older have those things. And then they consequently keep getting selected, you know, to do like to play in AAA and then to do this. And it's, it's really striking. You got to read the book. It's really good. I'm not quite done it yet, but I'm like, yeah, half the way through. That's awesome. It's called Outliers, right? Outliers. Yep. Malcolm Gladwell. He has a bunch of other really great books too. Highly recommend. I like nonfiction stuff. I used to read a lot of fiction like Stephen King, which I still read sometimes, but yeah. I have like a whole row of Stephen King right here. Nice. <laughs> nice. It's, I can always, I can like burn through a Stephen King book in like a week or two. Like they're very engaging to read, right? So mm -hmm. yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, another another book for my reading list. I'm always yeah. looking for recommendations, and this one actually sounds really amazing. It's really good. Um, yeah. I have it written down. And then I guess finishing off with our last question for this segment, you have a signature dance move. <laughs> um, Putting I you know. on the spot here. <laughs> I don't think so. Probably just shake my butt. Um, <laughs> yeah i i like to dance i like karaoke more than dancing but yeah i like to dance yeah no I, I i agree with that too i think i'm more of a karaoke person but you know what whenever there's a dance floor i think just just moving my arms i'll be yeah. like yeah. no i totally understand yeah at weddings i'll always be on the dance floor <laughs> that's awesome I'll go oh out there. yeah i'll always go out Amazing. I love those people. We always need them. Like people to start yeah, that, yeah. right? Yeah, 100%. for sure. Yeah. So I think that actually ends our episode. So thank you again so much, Dr. M, for coming today. It was a very fun episode. I learned so much. And I also got to learn more about like just the program I'm in in general. So whoever's listening, if you are, I, I know ITR is coming up, I think next week. So if you are trying to decide on what you want to do, um, if especially in IMS, be sh I hope you actually learned something from this episode. Um, but yeah, I think this actually wraps up, uh, us up. Thank you so much again, Dr. M for coming on today. Um, be sure to look out for our next episode next week on any podcast platform you use, such as Spotify, Apple Music, or you can even find us on YouTube and on Instagram. Again, thank you again, and I will see you guys next week. Thanks for having me. It was so much fun. Thank you.